You're listening to the One Hope Church Podcast. The following audio is from the weekly gatherings of One Hope Church in Orlando, Florida. We pray that you'll be encouraged and challenged as you listen. So we are continuing in the book of Colossians today. John came and opened it up last week, kind of set the context. Uh, Paul writing from prison to the Colossians and a little bit who they were where they were situated, and uh, Paul opens up kind of a customary greeting, and he's thanking God for uh, what, what he's doing there among the Colossians, uh, and then he actually gets into a prayer. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at this prayer that Paul has, and I just want to pause and ask, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about what would an apostle pray for? You know, apostles are like pretty like super spiritual people. What kinds of things do apostles pray for over their church? Let alone someone like Paul who has seen the risen Christ, who has visited the third heaven, and he's seen things that he's not allowed to talk about, things he can't describe with words, someone who's been beaten and suffered greatly for Jesus. And as of the writing of this letter sits in a cold, dark, damp Roman prison, contemplating his own execution. What is Paul going to pray for his people in light of who he is? And so we're going to look at this text, and he says a lot of things in just these six verses. But I think we could sum it up. I'm going to sum it up um, like this. Paul's praying at the end of the day. He's praying that God's people would personally know the Lord God and live accordingly. Oh, you know the Lord God personally and live accordingly. And so what I want to do today is something a little bit different. Uh, I, I want to, I'm going to actually pray the prayer over you for my prayer. And then we're going to step through it and make some comments and observations. And then I actually want to move us into an application of how to pray and how to talk with God. Because what, I, what my heart really burns for, for the church is not just to come to church and kind of passively receive from me or from others. That's good. Teaching is good. But what I want even more than that is for you to encounter God and to engage with Him so that outside of this hour that we meet every Sunday, you're encountering the Lord in a a real way throughout your week. And so we're going to spend some time walking through an exercise that's been really helpful for me. It's called Interactive Gratitude, and um, we're going to do that together. So give you fair warning. uh, If you need to run out here before we get there, you've been warned. But it's really great and really powerful. So let me pray over us, and I want you just to receive this prayer as an apostolic prayer over you. So let's pray for our time. Father, we pray with Paul that we would be filled with the knowledge, the personal knowing, the recognition of your will, Lord, of your desires. And that we would grow in wisdom and insight that comes from your Holy Spirit. Father, we want to walk in a manner that's worthy of you, that demonstrates the worth of Jesus in our life and in our hearts. We want to walk in a way that would be pleasing to you, that would bear much fruit internally and externally, that we would grow in every good work and continue to increase in our knowledge of you, strengthened by your power, according to your glorious might, 
Lord, would you fill us with the joy of your salvation that we might endure and have patience in whatever circumstances we are in. Father, we want to grow in giving thanks to you, the Father who has qualified us. He has made us sufficient. He's made us adequate to, 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 uh, to share in this glorious inheritance of the saints of light, the new heavens and the new earth. Father, you have delivered us from the domination of darkness in our life, and you've transferred us to the kingdom of God, to the kingdom of your beloved Son, Jesus, in whom we have redemption, in whom we have the forgiveness of sins. And so, we, Father, we thank you for these words, and I pray that you would impress these upon our hearts today. We love you, and we pray this in your name, Jesus, and by your Spirit. Amen. Well, let's look at what Paul's praying here for a few minutes. I'm going to have fun with my little stylus here. So just looking at the first verse. And so from the day that we heard, so he's referring to what he's just said, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you would be filled. So let's just start with this, this word fill. Filled with what? And, and this filling is a theme throughout the book of Colossians this feeling ultimately of the presence of God. In fact, we see this in uh, Colossians 2, 9, and 10. For in him, Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head and of rule and of all rule and authority. And so this idea of filling is ultimately this feeling of God's presence in our life. And it's kind of where we get this word fulfilled from. Aren't we all longing for fulfillment in our life? Isn't that what everyone's ultimately driving after, this sense of purpose and meaning and fulfillment? Well, Paul's praying that for his people, that you would be filled with the presence of God. And so then um, he goes on. And he says, filled with what? The knowledge. Now, this is another word. And I think we get caught up on this word in the West. We think knowledge. We think acquired information, the acquisition of information. And that's not really what Paul's saying. The word here in Greek is gnosis, from which we get you know, Gnostic and, and knowledge is the Greek word for knowledge. But in the Greek and Hebrew, this word connotates a personal knowing, a knowing as you would your spouse or your friend. And this word in particular is epigenosis. It has a it has a, a prefix on it, which actually gives a connotation of perception or recognition. So Paul's praying that we be filled with the presence of God so that we would be able to recognize or perceive God in our life, specific, specifically His will, which is what he says next. That we would have a recognition or a perception of His will. Now again, this word is a little bit more than just this way, how we may read it. This isn't necessarily just a deterministic will, a willpower, as if God's will always happens. The word here actually also means desire or wish. And so we can read this differently, that Paul's praying we'd be filled with God's presence, so we'd begin to recognize or perceive what God's desires are, that we might grow into desire what God desires. So... The last word I'll look at here is this word spiritual. And we know what that means. I think the way this is translated doesn't capture the fullness of what this is. So what he's saying is, once you be filled with the presence of God to grow in your recognition of what God desires, 
in all spiritual wisdom or uh, understanding there, a better word there would be insight. And, and the idea there is that this wisdom or insight finds its source in the Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit gives this kind of understanding and this kind of insight. It's like 1 Corinthians 2, if you remember, Paul's arguing that there's worldly wisdom and then there's wisdom that comes from the Spirit. And if you're of the world, you can't hear the Spirit. But if you're of God, you can perceive the things of the Spirit because they're discerned by the Spirit of God. So here, here's how he starts off his prayer to summarize this. He's praying that the people and uh, you, by extension, would be filled with this presence, the presence of God, to be able to perceive or recognize God's desires with wisdom and insight that comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, all of this language is deeply intimate. This isn't just informa- information acquisition. This is kind of in the West how we view information. This is how our schools are often set up. We memorize data and facts, and we regurgitate them on test, and people say we're smart. That's a part of knowing God, knowing about Him. But it's more so knowing Him personally. That's the point I'm trying to drive, and that's the point I think Paul's trying to say here. There's an intimate knowing of God. Just to underscore, in the Hebrew, this word for knowing is deeply intimate, and we see this in Genesis uh, 4. It says, Adam knew his wife, Eve, and she conceived. The word there is knowing. So this word, again, is deeply intimate. It's not just knowing about. It's deeply knowing someone intimately and personally. So Paul's praying that you and I and that the Colossians would know God in a personal way and be led by him. Okay, For what purpose? He goes on here in verse 10. I'm praying all these things for a reason, not just for yourself, not just so you feel good and you feel God's presence, but that you would walk, that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now this word to walk is a Greek idiom which talks about this is how you live your life. So Paul's praying that we would know God personally and intimately, and we would live accordingly. That we would live in a manner that is worthy of the Lord, or in a way that demonstrates God's worth to us. Now, if you're like me, you start to feel bad, because you know that you could live in such a way that, that Jesus really deserves it. Like You don't love Him enough, you don't worship Him enough. He's far more worthy and worshipful than I, than I give Him credit for. But this is an invitation to continue to press in, to see Jesus and all his beauty and all his glory and live out of that in a way that's pleasing to him, bearing fruit. Again, that's internal character and it's our external actions. It's growing to be more like Jesus ultimately, what we call sanctification or transformation. And again, we circle back to what? To increasing in the knowledge, in the knowing of God. And so we notice here there's actually a cycle that takes place. When we meet the Lord and we know Him personally, it transforms us to live a different way, a way that's pleasing to Him, a way that um, is bearing fruit and in good works. And the result then is that we know God even more. And then we know God even more, and we live out of that, which leads to more bearing fruit and more good works. This is kind of the cycle. This is what the Christian life is laid out to look like. Now, of course... That is a, uh, it's more like the stock market, hopefully, in our, our lives. There's lots of ups and downs, but hopefully we're trending up. Maybe that's this way for you, up. 
in our life over time, over decades. Hey, I think we also can tend to beat ourselves up because we don't get there in a couple weeks or a day or we have a bad day or a bad week or a bad season. God's interested in the long-term relationship, just like your marriage. You're going to have ups and downs in your marriage. But hopefully through uh, working through and communicating and knowing one another, the, the relationship's actually going to get stronger in the end. And that's what it's like to walk with God. So he goes on. We don't do this on our own strength. Here's his prayer for us. You don't have to do this on your own strength. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, not according to yours, not according to your ability, but according to God. Again, this connection with God the Father. For all endurance and patience with joy. Now, again, I would translate this a little bit different. I would say what captures this better is a joy-filled endurance and patience. A joy-motivated endurance and patience. You ever thought about that? We read things in the Bible, um, like Paul says in 2 Corinthians, that, that he's sorrowful yet rejoicing. You wonder, how can that be? What allows us to persevere? What allows us to be patient? It's actually our joy of the Lord, our sense of his goodness, our sense of our relationship with him, our joy with him. By Nehemiah, we were just in Nehemiah, he says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's how we live this out. And finally, this results, and it also includes giving thanks to the Father, the act of gratitude. And this is what we're going to practice here in a little bit. When we begin to engage in gratitude, it actually changes uh, our brains and our hearts and allows us to hear God more clearly, to perceive His voice and to perceive His will. Giving thanks to the Father. So just the final part here. Why are we giving thanks to the Father? Well, Paul can't help himself. He's qualified us. He's made us adequate. He's made us sufficient to share in this inheritance of the saints into the, 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 the family of God, into the new heavens and the new earth. And he's delivered us from the, the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. And again, I think a better word is the domination of darkness. So you and I were dominated by darkness before we came to know Jesus. And then we had the power to fight darkness. But it's a process. Right? Nobody here is that you meet Jesus and then you're immediately uh, sinless and don't have any problems, right? This is part of the, the progress, the process we go through. We can now fight sin with the power of God. And transmit us to the beloved Son. Of course, that's Jesus in whom we have redemption, being ransomed, which is the forgiveness of sins, that which kept us from relationship with God. But he's paid the price for our sins, and he rose from dead to give us a new heart, to, to, to allow us to be reconciled to God the Father. And so this is what Paul's praying. If I could summarize it here again. Paul prays that we be filled with a deep personal knowing of God and his desires by means of the revelation of the Spirit and wisdom and insight, so that for the purpose of living in a way that demonstrates Jesus pleasing to him, bearing fruit in good works by his power leading to a greater knowing of God, which leads to a joy-filled perseverance and gratitude for God who's done all things in Jesus. What a great prayer. So here's my question. How's that going for you? Is Paul's prayer being answered in your life? To what extent? And if you're like me, say, well, it could be a lot more than it is right? 
could be a lot more than it is. And so how do we do this? How do we grow in our relationship personally with the Lord, individually and corporately? And specifically here, as we're seeking God's will for one hope. So what I want to do is share with you a a practice that's been really helpful for me. Uh, It's called interactive gratitude, and I'll explain it in a moment. But um, it's a way to, to cultivate joy in your heart. And the reason that's important is when we're able to get into that state, when we turn our relational circuits on in our brain, we're able to connect with God and actually hear Him more clearly. And so joy is really foundational. And what's interesting, I've been doing a reading lately, that modern brain science confirms this. The Bible's been saying this for thousands of years, but modern brain science is, is uh, confirming the need for, for joy, which leads to connection and gratitude, which can lead to connection, relational connection with others. And so I have, um, I have this picture of the brain, which I'll explain in a moment. But let me just read this. This is on the the handout. Dr. Alan Shore from UCLA discovered how the human brain develops in a person through joy and attachment. He emphasized the importance of joy for healthy brain development and defined joy relationally as someone who is glad to be with me and being the sparkle in someone's eyes. So I think what happens here, if we we look at this brain, and and let me just caveat, it's it's not quite as clear or separated as this. Our brain is a complex thing that's working together. But in general, the things on the left side of the brain are primarily um, operating these things listed here and on the right side. So you probably heard the term left brain, all that stuff. Uh, Here in the West, we tend to be more left brain, more information-based, more logical, linear. We figure things out, right? We do that. The right brain is more emotional, intuitive. It's more relational. And so what happens, what can happen in the church is we so focus on teaching and doctrine that we only really are growing in our left brain Christianity, where our experience of God and our emotions are not necessarily being engaged. So this is why, you know, the saints of old did this. The mystics of old did this. This is, you know, devotional time where you're talking to the Lord. I don't know if you ever read David Brainerd's work. Um, great missionary was a... Was a he was with uh, Jonathan Edwards, greatest theologian in America. And he, he has his journal entries that, uh, that Jonathan Edwards actually published in, uh, against David Brainerd's will. But it's so interesting to read. Uh, David Brainerd died, and then he published them. But um, it's so interesting to read how David Brainerd talks about his relationship with God and just experiencing his presence. And so my heart for you and my heart for me has been to grow more in this experience of God in the presence of God. And so this exercise uh, called interactive gratitude is something I did uh, while I was on sabbatical in a retreat, and it really did change me. And I'm going to read my entry to you, but basically what you do is this. You're going to sit down, and we're going to do this in a minute. You sit there, and you can open up your phone on a note, or there's, you have a hand out there. You could write it if you have a pen. And you just are asking the Lord, you're just thinking of a memory that you're thankful for, just a time that was joyful, and it really can be anything. But you, you think about that time, and you just focus on it, and you write what you're thankful for as if you were writing to God. You thank Him for the things that uh, you appreciate, and you allow the feeling of gratitude to fill you. 
and why you're grateful for that experience. You're just writing it. I'm thankful for this. And again, I'll give you an example. So we'll do about five minutes and you can do that. And then the second part is now you imagine what God would say back to you. And that might make you nervous. So it, God's like, you're not like, you know, taking God's words. You're not like speaking with biblical authority. But he's living inside of us, isn't he? The Holy Spirit's in there. And he speaks to us through our thoughts. And so, you, and, and it might be uncomfortable, but you just got to write. Just let yourself write or type what's coming to mind and ask the Holy Spirit just to let it flow. And I heard some of the kindest things I've ever heard, and it made me uncomfortable. But it sure sounded like God. So the idea is, what would a good parent say to their child? So you write down, what, what would God say? What, 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 what would God say to me in response to my gratitude? And then number three, you, uh, you write just a couple words how you're feeling. And then the last part is you actually read out loud what you wrote down. So I'm going to ask you, if you're comfortable, to, to partner up with someone. You don't have to. It's okay. Um, but this is a really powerful part because you're verbalizing. When you put words to something, it gives it even more power. Okay? So we're going to do this together. I'm going to help guide us through this. Something you're thankful for, writing that to God, what might God might say back to you, two words about how you feel, and then share it with another. So let me give you an example here. This is my actual, the first time I did this exercise, I'm going to read to you what I was thankful for and what God said back to me. All right? And this will give you a little bit of idea of what, what it's like. So I wrote this, gratitude. God, I am thankful for my boy. He brings me such delight. He is like me, but different. I know that I get frustrated with him at times, and I don't love him as I ought, but I remember the rush of joy I felt when he was born, and it was actually confirmed that he was indeed a boy. I'm very thankful for him. Thank you, Jesus, God the Father, and Holy Spirit. He came as a light and joy to a dark and hard time. It's just a couple sentences. I imagine what that felt like. And here's what God, God's response to me, as I imagine. Here's what he said. He said, Justin, the way you feel about your son is the way I feel about my son, yet infinitely more. I am delighted in him. He trusted me. He loved what I loved. And I feel the same way about you. You are my son in Christ. I love you so immensely. I am so proud of you. I am here for you. And I am so delighted in who you are. You are like me, yet different. But your differences will never detract from my love for you. I desire you to be free and to trust me with all of your heart. Yes, you are mine and I am yours. I don't get angry as you do with your son, but I love you with a perfect love and only have your best interest in mind to become like me as I am. I am with you even when you don't feel it, when you don't, even when you don't hear me. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I said, I wouldn't say that to myself. I've never heard anyone say those kind of things to me. And it changed me. But what it did is gave me a sense of what God's voice sounds like. Everything that I wrote was in line with Scripture. And it was personal, and it impacted me, and it related to how I felt about my son. So I want to encourage you to engage in this now. So we're going to do this together for about 15 minutes, okay? So open up a note on your phone, grab the handout, grab a pen, and 
I'm going to lead us through each of these times, okay? So, you play a little background, a little, little lower. It'll set the mood for us. So just take, we're going to take five minutes. I just want you to take five minutes and ask the Lord, or just imagine a time, something you're thankful for to the Lord. It can be simple. And just write a few sentences down as if you're writing to God. So I'll give you five minutes to do that. All right, let's shift to the second part here. Just take a breath and reflect on what you wrote, what you felt. And ask the Holy Spirit just to guide you. And I want you just to imagine what God might say back to you. And just write that down. Just let, let those thoughts just come freely. So let's spend a few minutes just writing that down. What would God say back to you? All right. I should have said this before, but if nothing comes to you, that's okay. You can try it again later. That's okay. Go ahead now. Take, take a minute and think of two words, and then I just want you to, to turn to someone you know, someone you're comfortable with, and just read out loud what you heard from God. I'll give you about five minutes to do that, and I'll lead us into communion. Thank you for listening to the One Hope Church podcast. We encourage you to share what you've heard in conversation with family, friends, classmates, and coworkers. To connect with us or learn more, visit wehaveonehope.com.